Humans will game. They will game the system. They will do it every time. Without even being shown that they can game it, they will just figure it out. They will see the constraints of the system and work out a way to take advantage of it. Patton, the famous general from World War II, noted that generals are always being lied to. Their reports, people reporting to them, are never accurate. They're always wildly optimistic or terribly defeatist. There's no middle ground and neither is true. The situation is never as good as that enthusiastic subordinate is telling you, nor is it as awful as the person who is ready to be defeated in their own mind is trying to communicate to you. And as a leader in your business, you need to know this. People will data mine. Data mining is a form of gaming. Picking and choosing information to demonstrate a result, well, everybody does that. You go back to geez, English classes that I took in college. I don't even have to read the book. You hand me a Jane Austen novel, I will flip through it and lines will just pop out at me. This is evidence. I can say something with this and then I can continue flipping through the book and find other quotes that I could use to prove my imaginary point. This is really fascinating. And if I can do that about an English essay, it's something that really doesn't matter all that much. Imagine what is going on out there in the world when it comes to creating an argument for venture capitalist funding. Imagine how much fakery is going on out there. So as a business owner, if you want the truth, and in my business, the truth is a guiding light. It is in fact going to be emblazoned in large, probably 10 foot high silver letters over the entryway into the building. When you come in, you will pass under that and it will remind you that that is what we are about, the truth. The truth is not always fun. The truth is not nice necessarily, right? The truth can be quite brutal. But at least, with the truth, you get the reality of the situation. Where am I really? What is going on really? What are the conditions really? What is the truth about my business? Are you willing to admit, I don't know what I don't know, and see the truth about your business? That is a key question I'd like to ask you, business owner to business owner. Are you lying to yourself? Are you really interested in finding out what's truly going on in your business? So how do you do it? Well, there's a thing which we do called process engineering. I studied this stuff over 20 years ago in college in a program called operations management where I was taught process documentation, process improvement, continuous improvement, these re-engineering skills. So what does that mean? I get that question a lot. How does that apply to my business? As you grow, you're gonna hire people 
or you're gonna delegate tasks. And these activities, these processes, that's something that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It has an end result. They need to be executed consistently. Do you agree with me on this? They need to be executed consistently so that there's a consistent result. If you are a web design agency, if that's what you're running, and you have five developers working for you, and each one of them goes through that process in a completely different manner, you are going to get five completely different results. Does that make sense? And so if you don't wrangle that into some kind of consistency, you're going to get good projects, bad projects, outcomes that delight some customers, outcomes that really piss off other customers. And maybe you're not even going to know why. This is peeling back the layer of the onion here. And so process engineering first consists of writing down every step of the process, every task. Who does it? What do they do? Where do they start? Now here's the problem. Your people will lie. And that you may rile back at me about that. Oh no, my people are great, they're honest. Maybe they are. But I have been doing this a long time. I brought it to the sales training that I've been coaching people with, teaching programs for years. Better part of a decade. Cutting things up into little steps and then looking at each step and going, do we need this? Or should we throw it away? There's a story that I'm going to share with you real quick about a calf. It's a little cow that walks through a forest. And it doesn't know where it's going. It just starts at one side of the forest and zigs and zags and follows a butterfly and a smell and comes out the other side. So you can imagine this sort of weird semi-S shape, right? It's not a straight line. It's certainly not the shortest distance between two points. But the cow made it through. Following that, some hunters come along and they want to go through the forest too, looking for game. And what do they do? Well, path of least resistance. There's this path there made by the calf. They have no idea what made it, but there it is in front of them. So they follow it. And on the way, they, you know, bend a few branches, break a few things, flatten some stuff, and make the little path a bit wider. Following them are some settlers, families now. And they beat an even wider path through the woods. And they're still following what was this cow path. It's convenient and they get through. But it's certainly not the shortest distance, the most efficient process. It's just the one there is. Following the settlers, well, now there's a town on the other side of that forest, isn't there, where those settlers have settled. And it wants to trade. These traders want to trade with the, that town and the one they came from. So they're going through the forest, and they're expanding that path into a roadway now. It may still be a dirt road, 
but it's wider now. Maybe it has some ruts in it. They bring some wagons. It's wide enough for wagons now. Maybe two to pass each other after a while, going in each direction. And one day somebody decides, hey, this road ought to be paved. So let's pave it. And now you've got a two-lane road. It's paved. Still following this funny path through the woods. And this is normal. This is habitual. This is the way people do the thing. And as time goes on and the populations increase, that path, that road, gets expanded into an eight-lane highway. And it, too, is following that weird semi-S shape. And nobody thinks twice about it. As the populations of each municipality expand and they grow closer to each other, they start eating up that forest. Developers knock the trees down and put up housing. And finally, one day, there's no more trees left. The forest is gone. And after a generation, no one remembers the forest was ever there. No one remembers. And now you got this weird eight-lane highway going through housing developments, and that's just the way it is. Now, why did I tell you this story? Because this is an analogy of how processes get made inside organizations, inside your organization. Let's say at the beginning, you were working as a solopreneur, you did it by yourself, you figured it out. Solopreneurs are feisty people. And you developed a process. Maybe you never wrote it down, but you got most of the song sheet right most of the times when you got new projects that were similar, did it over and over again. And maybe you had somebody help you. Sometimes in organizations, this will happen in corporate organizations, they'll have somebody who is there for years and they develop a process for doing something and they may even write it down and that gets put into a binder maybe and, and the new employee gets trained. Well, imagine it's 10 years later and that original person, the originator of it, that process is gone. They've retired. Maybe nobody even remembers. There's been such churn in the organization. And now we're following a process that hasn't been checked in on in some time. Is it still the best that we could be doing? Could we be doing this better? I, I'm going to be snarky and you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I think, I think the odds are that you could be doing better. We all could. Now, why will your people lie to you? I said this earlier, and I want to come back to it. This is why you need a real process engineer. It's not really good to do this yourself. Yeah, I'm sure you can go find the symbols for process mapping and walk through it yourself, but your people will tell you, for example, if their job, their process, is supposed to be to take an item from station A to station B to station C, that's what they'll tell you they do. But I know from experience, having put sort of tracking die packs into the system and following the item, 
what really happens most of the time is it goes from station A to station C because that's more convenient to that individual. So they'll tell you they do one thing, but they'll actually do another. And sometimes it's not really their fault. There are plenty of documented cases. The one I'm thinking of is about a uh, high-end, high-level pool player who was describing, he was asked to describe, okay, you break, you break that, that, uh, those, those balls in that triangle right at the start, and boom, all the balls go into the pockets, and uh, like the opponent goes, I didn't even get a chance to shoot, right? You're doing this over and over again. How do you do it? And this pool pro went into a great description of how he stood and the weighting of the pool cue and how he used it and how he did his, his strike with the cue and all that. And the person interviewing him dutifully wrote this down, documenting the process. And then the observer watched the pool player actually break. And after that, the observer said, you know, you don't do what I wrote down here. <laughs> you don't do what you told me. And the pool player went, huh, and thought about it. And then said, you know, that's right. Actually, what I do is I hear the sound of the balls falling into the pockets before I start to break. So completely different. So it doesn't even have to be intentional. But this is why you need a real process engineer to investigate. Is what we've written down here really what's going on? Now, that is not even at the level of sinister, okay? That's just normal human behavior. And, and let's, let's dig down here. To I mean, I have uncovered scams over the years. Everything from sort of... The accidental gaming of the system, we're going to kind of look at an example of a, a moderate example of that. But we're, I've seen outright theft. People taking cash from cash registers and having a process to do that so that they won't get caught. I caught them. <laughs> but they did have a pretty good process. This is going on all the time the level of theft on <laughs> at one level or another in organizations that's going on would astound you if you knew it and if you're in the bar or restaurant industry you know exactly what I'm talking about it's so latent and, and prevalent and in your face there even but it's going on in technical organizations too so let's look at a production scam this is going on in a fairly large factory. It's a facility that takes probably 10 minutes to walk from one side to the other. I mean, generally speaking, you'll pick up the phone and call across to a department to get a status update on something that's going through a stage. And they made Gore-Tex jackets and backpacks and things like that. High-end place. What will amuse you the most about this is that their production methodology, their system of conveying work pieces from station to station, 
was plastic tubs, the kind of which you can buy from Walmart that are, you know, about two feet by three feet and a foot and a half high, two feet high, something like that, with a lid. That's what it was, with some markings, alphanumeric markings for tracking, taped to the side of this tub. <laughs> so you would shove or pull these tubs from one location to another in the factory to get the next stage of work done. In the tub, along with the half-completed items, was a piecework record sheet. Now, I want you to think about this. This company, by the way, had invested in an expensive mechanical overhead conveyor system. It was sitting in a corner gathering dust because it was too complicated for them to set up. So they were doing this push and shove thing. And in the tubs, there was this piecework sheet with some numbers on it about how long the items should take to do. And when you were a production worker and you did the thing, you completed the task, this is arts and crafts. You would take a pair of scissors, cut a strip off that piecework sheet, detailing what you had done, and you would glue it to a piece of blue construction paper. <laughs> and that was your timesheet for the day. Your timesheet would be made up of all these little strips of tasks with the times and the items glued on <laughs> to this piece of construction paper. And then at the end of the day, you would submit that to the production manager's office. And this is a high-end, well-known, well-branded organization. So where's the production scam going on here? Well, how these guys were paid was on piecework. So if you produced more, which you would see by a lot of items being stuck to your arts and crafts timesheet, you would get paid more. And we talk about the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of the effects are caused by 20% of the causes. So we might expect that this would be true in a factory situation where 20% of the employees would produce 80% of the output, right? Maybe. I, <laughs> it doesn't always apply, but this might be an interesting place to start with. But there was one guy in a department who was always at the top and not just like a little bit of an outlier but like Jupiter level outlier you know he was off the chart compared to everyone else you know, more than double and he would get a big bonus and I guess everyone would be happy except me I don't like outliers and I want to know the truth about what's going on here so I put my little die pack into the situation and tracked where did this item really go? Who really touched this item? Not what was glued onto somebody's timesheet, but where did it really go? Through this big factory. And at the end of the week, I took a look at everything and I found out what was going on was people were giving him some of their piecework strips. And he was gluing them onto his timesheet, collecting the big bonus, 
and then distributing it out. So it wasn't just a gaming situation for him. He was gaming the way the thing had been set up, the reward system, to give everyone else money too. So of course senior management was furious about this and wanted to fire the guy. And I said, you can't fire this guy. This isn't really his fault. This is your fault for setting up a really lousy production tracking system and a performance measurement system. Instead, what you need to do is sit down with this guy because he's probably a genius <laughs> for figuring this out and work out with him some kind of fair reward system with proper tracking that can't be gamed as easily as this. It was the fault of the people who set up the measuring system. Remember, humans will game. They will game every system. Remember, generals are always being lied to. Your reports are never accurate. The things people say to you are always wildly optimistic or dreadfully defeatist. And neither are true. The truth is somewhere in the middle. So if you want to find out what's really going on inside your organization, you need a real process engineer doing real process documentation and improvement.